and welcome to Dust Jackets Conversations with Authors. My special guest today is Melissa Ewan Innes. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Maggie. Good to see you. So usually I start off these by reading someone's bio. But for you, because you're both a physician and an author, um, I wasn't able to kind of decide what bio to read. And so instead, I'm going to ask you to tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, you know, both sides and how they've kind of managed to meld together to do some, particularly your latest books, the Hope Z book. For sure. For sure. Thank you. Um, So my name is Melissa Ewaninis, and I write a lot of fiction as Melissa Yee, which is just the first two letters of my last names. I'm probably best known for my Hope C medical mysteries. And um, I am an emergency physician. So people are often curious about how I do it and how I balance and if I use any real stories in it, that sort of thing. Uh, I also write nonfiction. Uh, the most popular collection of essays is called The Most Unfeeling Doctor in the World and Other True Tales from the Emergency Room, which recently be- was in the Ottawa Fringe Festival and won Best of Best. So that was a lot of fun taking um, basically a memoir and bringing it to the stage. I have also written romance and young adult and children's books, um, but I don't have a lot of time right now, so I am concentrating on hope and on writing nonfiction. Well, thank you. And congratulations on the Fringe Festival. That's really wonderful. Thank you. So, um, when I uh, first started reading your books, I actually did start with the Hope Z books because I like this kind of suspense thriller stuff. And you don't do the, you know, blood and gore for gore's sake in your writing. You know, you have really good characters. And, and of course, um, they're in medical school or related to medicine in some way. Um, so the first question, of course, is, you know, what part of those books reflect your own experiences? Um, in medical school and, you know, some of the mysteries that you concoct or maybe not the mysteries themselves, but the incidents and the, and the types of uh, ways that people are murdered. Did you, have you ever experienced those things yourself? Um, so I will just start off by saying that I was in residency when I started writing the Hope books. So um, you do medical school, which is usually four years. So you do your undergraduate degree, which is three to four years. Um, or two to four years of, of schooling, going to university like everybody else, getting a bachelor's degree or on your way. And then you do medical school, which is usually four years to get your MD. And then you have residency, which is like two to five years of postgraduate training. And then you can also do fellowships on top of that. So it's like, it was really a long, long time in school. So for, in my case, um, I was matched. So that's the other thing is that after medical school, you don't know where you're going to go you know what specialty you want to apply for and you apply for it at, at different cities and programs around across the country and could be around the world. And in my case, I was not to family medicine in Montreal. And when I got there, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, I was just like, why are people reversing down the one way streets? Like they're, they're reversing in my face. Like I don't, what's going on. <laughs> um, and you know, how can they turn left on a red light like just with no warning and they could be from the right hand lane so just the the driving alone was just freaky and then potholes and you know the buildings are literally falling apart 
that was even before I got to the hospital. But when all that happened, I was, you know, residency is very go, go, go. But towards the end of it, I think it was just sort of percolating in the back of my mind, like, what is going on here? And I decided to write a series about a resident who solves crimes. So not enough to save lives, you know, but also <laughs> to figure out the murderers. And I have sometimes taken inspiration from stuff that happened at the hospital, um, but usually just I mix it up. So for the latest one, Scorpion Scheme, Hope is in Egypt. And that's because a travel company asked me to write novels set in countries around the world. Like they would give me free trips in exchange for writing books. And part of the deal was that I could write books set in those countries separately. So um, that's Hope in Egypt. And there was a bomb that went off near um, the pyramids, like near the Egyptian museum with my tour group. So that was kind of the inspiration for Scorpion's game. And the previous one, Graveyard Shift, was partly inspired by a case by one of the police officers. Not everybody realizes this, but police come to the emergency room quite often. Like um, they have, they'll have somebody who's in custody who, for example, has chest pain, and then they bring them in to get checked over before they uh, bring them away. So in, in that case, he was there, but it wasn't what well, wasn't for that reason. And he told me about a case that he had recently. And I was like, oh boy, I'm in the middle of writing a book set on an airplane. But after that, I'm going to write your book. And I did. So that was Graveyard Shift. And that one is, that's book seven. And it's all one night. Like just the entire book is just one night shift with things happening one after the other. Wow. So you, you certainly do get a lot of inspiration there. Um, so you are still working full time as a physician now? I don't work full time. I consider myself semi-retired. My other passion is uh, financial independence, retire early. So <laughs> I, I recommend everybody, you know, just work hard, live on less and try to save up money so that you can spend your time doing what you like to do. And in my case, I really enjoy writing. Oh, that's great. I, I wasn't sure if you were retired and then went back because of COVID or you were purposefully semi-retired. Purposefully, but then did get called back a bit. Which is fine. (laughs) You know, I I wouldn't have wanted to to sit on the sidelines. So um, one of the things that our listeners often want to know is how did you get involved with writing? You know, were you always someone who wanted to write books, wrote stories as a children and just really loved expressing yourself? Or was it more, you know, after you got into graduate school, you were probably writing a lot then. I know I was in graduate school and you needed a different outlet. What what, what kind of inspired you and got you going? I always wanted to write. Like if you look at my sort of school, I don't know what to call them, but you know, where you keep your your pictures and um, your report cards and stuff like that. So ever since I was about five, I wanted to be a writer, but that's not an Asian thing to do to just be like, oh, I'm just going to go off and pick a, a job that has no guarantee of success and no financial security. So I was just like, um, I, I knew I was going to go to university. I knew I was going to, I wanted to have a career that would, I would be able to support myself. I've also been with my husband, you know, then he was my boyfriend since high school. And he has said wow. that he would support me if I wanted to write. Um, but it just never occurred to me that I would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to stay home and let my spouse um, take care of the bills. So for me, I was just like, I'm going to support myself. I'm going to be my own patron and do this. And then um, 
when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> wow. Well, I think a lot of women can kind of identify with that in any case. Um, you know, I, I think the time of, of women feeling like that they can um, 100% rely on a partner to be there for them their whole life and support them is, is pretty rare. So I, I like that you made those decisions, although do you have any regrets that you couldn't get into it earlier now that you are into What are you, like 50, 60 books in at this point of your Oh, career? gosh, but that includes a lot of my short stories and stuff. So when I counted it up, like I guess I have under 20 novels, so I still have a long way to go if, uh, ah. like compared to some other people. I have really slowed down since having children, I have to say, like... <laughs> um, like a lot of energy and time goes into, you know, really taking care of your kids and they don't stay little forever. So I, you know, I do tell people that if you can get a supportive partner, that is the best thing, but for sure, I guess I've, as, as you say, I, I don't think any man or woman or, you know, non-binary person can necessarily predict the future and say that you're going to be able to have somebody look after you your whole life. So for me, it was the best choice. Like I would always be anxious if I knew that I, you know, that I was one relationship away from not being able to look after myself. And also it gives me something to write about. Like I was just ton, full of tons of energy when I went into medicine. I was just like, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to write. And the medicine is going to give me stuff to write about, which was true. <laughs> but I underestimated just how much time and energy would go into it. I mean, I knew it was going to be intense but just all consuming. I mean, when I was doing surgery, you know, I'd be sitting there retracting and I would just try to think like one line, just like one line of poetry in my head um, per day. Cause otherwise, you know, I wouldn't like, I remember having supper at like 7 PM. Like it just wasn't possible to get stuff done. But um, for me, I, I don't regret it. I think if I, uh, you know, like, and you can never predict what's going to happen, you know, there are people who've had health crises or, you know, they've lost someone. They've just been like, you know, I regret it. Or, you know, I knew I couldn't spend a hundred hours a week doing it anymore. But for me, I just like, you know, my life has been pretty good to me. I've had a, I have a terrific family. You know, I can't complain. Oh, wonderful. Um, one of the things you and I have chatted about before um, has been the need for more diverse characters in novels. And I think that's something that that you certainly seem to do. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, why that's important to you? And, you know, what is your approach to that? Um, in terms of, and particularly when you're putting in a character that it's not of your particular background? I guess I never really thought about it. I just always wanted to see more diversity. And the other thing I would add was that I was attracted to writing because I love reading so much you know it's my number one source of entertainment you know other people love movies or they're really into sports like that wasn't my thing I just love words um but I, I was frustrated as a kid you know um I used there there were no stories about people of color um except a few for some reason African-American literature is a, is a had a bit more of a market so I would see that in Canada but otherwise very very little um, and so I would read stories about overweight girls because they were outside the norm physically, even if they weren't actually a different race. And um, when I started reading romance, I was also really hungry for diverse characters. And I would read about like I, I read one case of uh, a slave who escaped, also African-American. And I really enjoyed that because I was just like, 
finally somebody who's different, <laughs> somebody who's not uh, a white virgin. Um, <laughs> especially in the Renaissance and stuff like that. So I was never into the Regencies or things because I always wanted feminism and diversity and a more modern perspective, like like exactly what we said, like an independent attitude. Um, so that's what I brought with my writing. But I always enjoyed writing people of different characters and made a point of doing uh, different backgrounds. And I made a point of doing so until I read in Glamour magazine, there was a survey of films, like mainstream films. I guess it must have been a 2007 survey. It was anyway, it was the year that Avatar came out. And like almost everybody was white, little bit of African-American, little bit of Latinx, and so few Asians that um, the Avatar aliens had equal screen time with Asians. So your chances of being blue were the same chance of being Asian on any mainstream film that year. Wow. You know, in the 21st century. And I was like, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, like in outer, you know, outer space diversity is better than what we're seeing here on Earth. This is ridiculous. So that was when I made a point. I had already written Hope, but um, I just made more of an emphasis of seeing it. And Montreal is a really diverse city. So, um, for example, that was where I got to know Jewish culture better. I'd always read about it, but I didn't you know, see bakeries and have friends who are Jewish and everything. It just wasn't as common um, as it was in Montreal, like a really strong presence. Oh, wow. And, and, and immigrants from other countries and everything, you know, my patients would be diverse and everything like that. So that was just reality. So I try to reflect that. Well, and I, I really appreciate it. One of the things I do like about your Hope C books is the fact that the main character is Asian. And, uh, and much like you, I don't see a lot of literature with Asian leads. And even movies, we've, we've seen a little more recently, but um, it's still not as widespread, at least in America, as the Asian population is, which is you know, pretty, uh, pretty large. And I imagine in Canada, it, it is as well. Is that the case or not? Yeah, it depends where you are again. So, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, you know, so West Coast and main, major cities, you will see enough Asian people, but um, not so much in the country where I am now. You know, it all depends. But certainly we're not represented. Um, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was a big deal, like very landmark. And they mm -hmm. said it hasn't been since the Joy Luck Club that we've had an all Asian cast. And, that was in 1999. Right. So we had to wait, whatever it was, like a, at least two decades for it to happen again. They're hoping that we can open the floodgates now, but it's still a struggle. Yeah. I, I think that Asians, at least in America, have not um, advocated for themselves as something separate but equal. You know, it seems to me that the culture has been more to fit in. Um, as opposed to the African-American culture, which is very much advocated for itself. And um, the Native Americans have become much more in terms of advocacy. So it's, that's a really interesting dilemma about diversity. Um, I'd like yeah, to... It's, it's, it's assimilation, right? Like that's, right? That's one way to try and fit in is by assimilating and being good and hoping that you don't get ported off to... Um, to the, the camps like the Japanese Americans were during World War II, but not German Americans, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very much so. 
Um, so I'd like to kind of just take a little veer off into your um, nonfiction. Now you mentioned that at the top of our discussion about um, the doctor books, which are, I have to say, I've, I've read a couple of them. So I just want to let all people who are listening here, they are funny. You know, you really have a great sense of humor. And even though it appears that something horrible is happening, you know, you're really kind of taking it in stride and making fun of it or just being extremely interested in it. Uh, so uh, again, I assume that that comes um, out of your residency to begin with, because it, at least the first one certainly uh, seems to be, you know, with a, a resident as as the primary person. Is that accurate? Yeah, the, the very first book, The Most Unfeeling Doctor in the World, kind of dips back and forth between my early career and med medical school and residency. And actually, I wanted to bring up the point because you had said that my books aren't gory. It's true. Like on, on one of the panels, they were they were talking about this. And I didn't realize that there's such a divide between cozy mysteries and thrillers. I probably should have recognized this. But for me, as long as it's a good book, I don't really care what genre it is. And I read really widely. But at BoucherCon, there was a panel and they were like, well, are your books, you know, really intense? And will you describe things in a very, um, you know, blood and guts kind of way? And I was like, well, you know, in medicine, it's more a question of troubleshooting. You know, you, you see what's happening, but it's not to sort of talk about the glistening blood or, you know, that eyeball. Like, it's really just be like airway, breathing, circulation. What can I fix first? You know. How many people are in trouble? How can I deal with this? And it's true, I do use a lot of humor, actually both in fiction and nonfiction, but I guess I do it more in my nonfiction because our, you know, it's it gets tough being a doctor or any healthcare professional. And you do see a lot, and that's one way to cope, right? Is to okay. find the grace and the humor um, and the good things. And that's kind of how I look for life in general. I'm pretty optimistic in some ways, and I don't think I could have made it this far if I wasn't. Well, and, and I have to say that you're very good at writing humor. You know, that's the other part of it, because I think it's very difficult, difficult to write. And um, and it's maybe it is a reflection of you, you know, because you do see the humor in life. And so it's maybe easier for you to write that. But I just so appreciate it. Um, also, these books, um, the doctor books are fairly short compared to the novels, mm -hmm. um, which I think for people that are looking for something that's just kind of a quicker read and interesting, and you do not have to be a doctor or a nurse or in medicine to really appreciate them because I found them just uh, wonderful, uh, just kind of, you know, watching the progression and the things that, that you ran into. Um, and, and look, and I, I believe a realistic look at, you know, physicians and the myriad of people that come through their doors uh, with, with their problems, big and small, and some people making a big deal out of small things or not so much out of big things. And so, and I think you reflect that really well. You also have a few um, helpful books that you've written. Um, I think one of the ones I, I remember was on um, toe fungus, for example. Oh, gosh, I actually don't think that I've written that. I wish I knew more about toe fungus. No, oh. <laughs> I did. Um, those are the emergency doctor's guides. So the emergency doctor's guide to a pain-free back and the emergency doctor's guide to healing dry eyes. 
So back pain is just super common and, you know, up to a third of emergency room visits are for back pain. And it's like 80% of adults will have back pain at some point in their life. It doesn't have to be all the time, but just at least one episode. So again, I tried to tackle that with humor. Like I made a, you know, for example, I made a cartoon of a woman saying, like a a woman saying, you're 18. Congratulations. (laughs) You know, (laughs) welcome to back pain sort of thing. Um, and also for dry eyes, because I suffer from dry eyes and a lot of women do too. And of course, reading and working with screens and everything like that just puts you at higher risk. So I wanted to get the information out in a very clear, fun, down-to-earth way. Well, again, I, I find them really uh, helpful. Boy, now I'm going to have to go back and look for that one because I could have sworn you read that you wrote it. <laughs> so. oh, I do. oh, gosh, do you actually have a tofu on this book? I did, I did write a, a, one of the essays and my unfeeling doctor book is called a pain in the toenail. Um, okay. I don't know if that was confusing at all because there was a, a patient who um, among other things ended up asking me to trim her nails. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that's where I saw it. It's been a while since, since I've read um, any in your series there. So you had said uh, before that you're sticking with hope. See, you are continuing to write those books. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is there any other genres that you're still I'm planning to write. Well, I do want to get my, so I write fantasy and science fiction as well. And I publish short stories. And so I, there should be a collection of my fantasy and science fiction short stories that come out this year. Um, and not a different genre, but I did want to do more cozy uh, inclined. So I, I do want to write the third book in my series. Um, the first book is the Italian school for assassins. And the second book is the Goa yoga school of slayers. And in that, um, Octavia is 40 years old. <laughs> like she, she has her 40th birthday and for her birthday, she's like, just what's the craziest thing I can do. And she, her best friend are supposed to go to Florence to try out the Italian school for assassins as a joke, but it turns out they're really serious. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the second book actually ends on a cliffhanger. And I did want to write the third book, which is The Chinese Cooking School of Carnage. But I just haven't gotten around to it. <laughs> oh, I love the titles. <laughs> I, I remember the cover for that first one, The Italian School of Assassins. I have to admit, I haven't read that one. So, well, that's great. I, I'm glad to hear that you're going to be doing that. And those are more um, kind of cozy and humor style, right? Yes, yes. There's no, like, they're, like Hope still sees sad things i mean obviously as a physician and in her crime work but octavia you know she's she's just running around and she gets to go to all different countries which is really fun <laughs> so far the delay was that for that was i was like oh i really would like to go to china and i did manage to get to taiwan before the pandemic but haven't managed to write it yet wow well i, I think that'll be great fun and we'll look forward to that for sure so I don't have any other questions for you. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you that you'd like to share with, with our listeners? Oh, I mean, you've asked such great questions already. I guess I just hope that to, to meet new people and meet new readers, especially your readers and you know people who appreciate the thought and care we put into the books. And I really appreciate the time that you've taken today. Well, thank you so much for being here. So you can get in touch with Melissa at her website, melissauandinnis.com. And I will have that in the show notes if you don't remember it. 
And I'll also have a display of a couple of her books. And I hope you check it out. She has uh, many different books. So whether you like romance, mysteries, humor, thrillers, you'll probably find something in Melissa's collection. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, Melissa. Thank you so much, Maggie. Really appreciate it.